Awesome. What are you living for? That's a new series that we're kicking off this morning. And I think, um, as Marco shared, there's so many challenging thoughts that we, that we could uh, have this morning. And the amazing thing with being challenged with the Word, being challenged with truth, having God's Spirit in, in us is the empowering to arise to the occasion. So it's not like you get invited. I think uh, all of us, except for Norman, if we got invited to represent um, the, 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 the Springboks on, on, on that level, I think Norman would be the only guy that would probably be able to uh, pull his weight a little bit. Um, and then Ben as well, obviously. Um, but all of us, like being called onto that field, like I think all of us will kind of faint just at a thought of representing the Springboks on that level. Um, because what? We're not qualified for it. We, we're not ready for that. We haven't prepared ourselves. And the thing with God's challenges and the things that He's inviting us to, you are qualified. You are equipped. You are empowered to arise to the occasion, to step up to the plate. You just get to choose whether you're going to step up to the plate and believe that you are qualified, that you are equipped. And that's what Sundays primarily is about as well. And whenever we're gathering, we're going to get into the Word. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about this, that, that the coming together and the, 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 the ministry of the, the, the pastor, the teacher, the prophet, the evangelist, uh, um, and the apostle, their purpose is to be equipping the saints, all of us being equipped to arise so that the body of Christ can mature. Say mature. Yeah, mature isn't a cuss word, guys. It's, it's really a word that is part of the word. Uh, a word that is part of the Bible, part of Christian living. It's maturity. It's fruit bearing. We are all living for something. No one here isn't living for something. Every one of you, us here this morning, you're living for something. And if you don't know what you're living for, through me sharing the word this morning, you'd quickly be, be able to identify what you're living for. The degree of satisfaction you are currently experiencing, listen carefully, the degree of satisfaction you're currently experiencing is a result of what you are living for. The degree of satisfaction, fulfillment that you are currently experiencing as a person, as a human being, is a result of what you are living for. If you're dissatisfied, it's most likely because you're living outside of your design, vice versa. If you're dissatisfied, it's, almost, it's uh, most likely because you're allowing your circumstances to determine your value and purpose. Marco's testimony was awesome, and I wanted to commend Michelle as well. She's on that side now. I don't know if Michelle can hear me. Um, I don't think she can hear me. But I want to commend Michelle as well, uh, because I also chatted to her on the phone. I think it was the, the following morning after, after Marco was uh, um, put in, in jail. And uh, after just ministering to her and just uh, expressing, like, uh, we're doing everything in our power also to, um, to see how we can help Marco. And we managed to get a, a lawyer to represent him. And he went to, uh, to, to, the, to the prison cells. And uh, he was part of the, the Marco being released ahead of time, I believe which is amazing testimony as well. And that person did it uh, pro bono as well. So that's a huge blessing um, that that came to be. But as I was sharing with Michelle and uh, just ministering to her, it was amazing to just hear the peace in her heart that she was not anxious about the situation, really trusting God in the matter. And uh, I think any one of us, maybe if you put yourself in Marcus' position or in Michelle, Michelle's position, you might have had a different response. 
And that res different response is most likely because of what you are living for. If you're dissatisfied, most likely it's because you're allowing your circumstances to determine your value and your purpose. Michelle and Marco didn't allow their circumstances to determine their value and their purpose. Hence the results of fruitfulness in and amidst the chaos. Some of you uh, are sitting here this morning and you're thinking, if you're thinking about satisfaction, if you're thinking about fulfillment, you, you're thinking along the lines, I'll be satisfied when I get married. I'll be satisfied when I'm no longer sick. I'll be satisfied when I'm out of jail. I'll be satisfied when I get that job. I'll be satisfied when I own a home. And the list can go on and on. I'll be satisfied when, when, when. No, you can be satisfied right now with who you are, who God has created you to be, regardless of any circumstances. This morning's message, specifically, we're going to look at created to live fully. Created to live fully. What were we called or designed to live for? What were we called or designed to live for? Firstly, to live in relationship with God and one another. Every human being on the face of the earth who's ever lived, who is living today and who will ever live, is created, designed to live in relationship with God, to live in relationship with one another. How do we live in relationship with God? By sharing the same spirit as Him. That's why we were created from the beginning in His image, in His likeness. So the only way that any human being can ever experience true, authentic, intimate relationship with God is by sharing the same spirit as Him. That's why God's desire for the world is to be saved. How do we live in relationship with one another? Same story, sharing the same spirit as each other. That's the only way that you can truly experience authentic, intimate relationship with another human being is if you share the same spirit. That's why with unbelievers, there'll always be a disconnect. There'll always be a disconnect. You can have a love for an unbeliever, but there'll always be a disconnect. So, if we're already sharing the same spirit with God, the question is this. What are we doing about those around us who aren't? Each one of you gets to ask this question. You're sharing the same spirit as God. You're sharing the same spirit as your fellow believers who are sitting in this room. But what are you doing about those people around you at your work, at your school, at your college that isn't sharing the same spirit as you and the same spirit as God? We have to ask those difficult questions because if we don't ask them, we'll kind of just carry on with life and coast through life, thinking that we're living. There's a difference between living and coasting. God desires for us to live, not just to coast. To the degree that our daily lives are geared towards, firstly, enjoying relationship with God, secondly, enjoying relationship with our Christian brothers and sisters, and then thirdly, helping others join the family of God will determine the satisfaction of our lives. Three things that will determine the satisfaction of your life. You might think you're satisfied today. But if you're missing out 
on any one of these three components, if there's any room for growth, stepping more into enjoying intimate relationship with God, enjoying more intimate relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and thirdly, helping others come into the family of God, if there's any room for growth for you in any one of those areas, it's an opportunity to step into a more satisfied life. Nothing else can satisfy like what you've been created and purposed, designed for. Relationship with God, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and helping those outside of the family come into the family of God. So let's look at some, some things and asking this question, are you living or just coasting? I think all of us would agree that I rather want to live than just coast. I rather want to live than just exist. I think Marco shared this as well. Going through challenging circumstances and, and uh, going through trials or tribulations. Arising above them and growing from them doesn't happen by default. It happens with intentionality. And in the same way, living a full life takes intentionality. It doesn't happen by accident. Now, what does living actually mean? We have to define it because if we don't define it, we can't measure it. Because each one of us this morning can ask the question, are you living or are you just coasting? And I think by default, all of us would just say because we, we want to kind of uh, uh, suppress our conscience, we were like, I'm living, I'm definitely living. There's no, there's no doubt that I'm living, I'm not coasting. But let's define what living actually looks like so that we can actually measure where we are on the scale of living versus coasting. Amen? Are you guys ready to define it? Some of you aren't ready because you don't want to face the, 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 the facts, the, 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 the truth. But John 8 verse 32 says that if you know the truth, you can be set free. So if you come to define and realize where you are, you can actually plan out and scale out where you need to go and how you're going to get there. If you don't know where you are, you can't move from point A to point B. But let's define what living looks like so that you can measure and see, cool, this is, this is what living look, looks like. This is where I'm at. How am I going to get there? How am I going to step more into a life of fruitfulness than just coasting and bearing no fruit? So some characteristics of a person living. A person full of love. A person full of joy person full of peace. Some of you guys are connecting the dots. Love, joy, peace. Galatians chapter 2, uh, chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. I'm going to read from the message translation so it expresses and communicates it a little bit differently. But we, a, a person living is actually at its core, at the foundation, a person that is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 explains it and expresses like this. But what happens when we live God's way? Say God's way. What happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchid. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that a, that a basic holiness permeates things and people. 
We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. These are some of the characteristics of a person who's living a full life. Living versus coasting. We were created for so much more. Say much more. We were created for so much more. Each one of us here this morning. But you get to determine if you're going to step into much more, if you're just going to coast. Because the word and the truth that I'm sharing this morning and ministering to you, ministering to myself, allowing the, the Spirit to challenge us, every one of us is going to respond to this differently. Every single one in this room is hearing the same message. And every one of us is going to ex ex express and respond to this message very differently. Depending on the heart condition. Your heart condition. Are you open? Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to be challenged? Are you willing to say that I'm missing the plot in life? I'm just coasting. I'm fooling around. I'm messing around with life. Are you willing to acknowledge that? Because if you're not willing to acknowledge that, you can't grow. You can't move forward in the things that God has got for you. You need to be vulnerably open when we come to the Word of God. Because it's only in vulnerability and openness that we can allow God's ministry to take place fully and lift us into the things that He has for us. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1. And then uh, maybe in a couple of weeks, we're not going to have uh, as many scriptures, references on the screen. Um, not because uh, I'm going to get lazy, but because I want to be intentional about challenging you. Intentional about encouraging you to open up your own Bible. Whether it's a physical Bible, hard copy, whether it's a Bible on your phone. Um, it's nice to have the scriptures on the screen. Um, but I can also go and edit those scriptures and make them say things that are, they're not actually saying. Now I'm uh, getting some of you thinking, like, has he done that before? <laughs> I haven't done it before, but you need to get into your Bible. You need to open up your Bible. You can't just uh, look at the, 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 the verses on the screen. Open up your Bible and open up your notebook. Like whether it's your notebook and, and hard copy, whether it's notes that you want to make on your phone. Because church isn't intended to be a, a, a feel-good club. Come to church, feel good, go home again, wait for next Sunday, let's feel good again, let's, let's receive a, let's, I hope Etienne's going to tell a nice story that, that's going to encourage me, maybe give me a goosebump. Goosebumps don't mature believers. An experience can't mature you. The Word of God matures you. Getting into the Word of God is the only thing that will mature a believer. Experiences come and go. Goosebumps come and go. But God defined His Word Himself that heaven and earth will pass away. But God's Word will stay. Genesis chapter 1, 26-28 from the Message Translation says, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature. Say reflecting. Reflecting is something you see. It's visible. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. 
He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. This is awesome. I love how the message communicates this. We were created to reflect God's nature. A life that isn't reflecting God's nature is a life lived outside of design and it can't be satisfied. A life that isn't reflecting God's nature is a life lived outside of design and it can't be satisfied. It's almost like having a a meal and I don't know if you guys have experienced this where you go to a fine dining restaurant and you're having and they represent this meal to you and you're like is this, is this all? Like, is there, is there another piece coming? Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's one bite and you're like, wow, that's a nice, that's a nice taster. Like, but where's the, where's the main meal? And you're like, no, this is the main meal. Okay. Nice. Um, it's, it's almost like that. You, you, you eat something and your taste buds are blessed in the moment, but your tummy isn't blessed. Like, they, it feels like there's still a whole lot of room for more. And um, it's almost like that. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't quench. And this is our design and our purpose to reflect God's nature. And if we're living a life that is not reflecting God's nature, we're just enjoying those tastes. And they might be satisfying. They might do something in the moment. But soon you realize it's not enough. It's not satisfactory. We can, and this is something we need to understand, we can live Christian lives without ever reflecting God's nature. But it will never truly be living. There's a lot of Christians that we know, obviously none of you this morning, that's Christians. They've, they've, they've got God's Spirit living inside of them. But they're not reflecting God's nature. We were created to have God's Spirit live in us and His Spirit to live through us, reflecting His nature. We don't want the world to look at us and, and wonder, is that a believer or isn't it? Like, is that a Christian? Is that someone who's got God's Spirit live inside of them or, or isn't it? We can't look like the world. If something is being reflected, it's visible. I love how Jesus expresses this in John chapter 15. And he says that God's desire, and I'm paraphrasing, God's desire for you is to bear much fruit. Because in bearing much fruit, you're bringing glory to your Father. Glory is reflectory. It, it reflects something. It shines. So when we're bearing fruit, we're reflecting God's nature. And this is God's desire for us. This is what living is all about, reflecting God's nature. John chapter 1, verse 3 to 5 says, And through His creative inspiration, this living expression made all things. Talking about God. For nothing has existence apart from Him. Nothing is truly living apart from God's nature in them. There's people that is in your world, people you know, that is not having any existence. They're not truly living because they know they don't have fellowship with God. They don't have His Spirit live inside of them. And we get to change that. Say, I get to change that. 
Don't wait for me to come to your work and minister to your colleagues. Don't wait for someone else to come around. Don't. I love the Matthew 28, uh, Mark referred to this as well, Matthew 28, where Jesus says, go. He didn't say, stay, in a sense. Like, we need to go out. Not come to church, but go out from here. Coming to church on a Sunday, it's one day out of the week. God will told us, 14%, more or less. The call is to go, not to come, just, just gather and be a holy huddle. We see this in the, the early church, the disciples, they were all gathering and they were like enjoying the holy huddle and it was amazing and they got to know one another and they got to know one another's aunts and uncles and, and it was just lovely. And then persecution hit. And then they actually woke up and they went and the church of God expanded and grew and multiplied. There's a time and place to come together. But the purpose is to go out, to be equipped, to be fed, to be nourished, to be challenged so we can go and actually partake and be the light of the world. Life came into being because of Him. For this life is light for all humanity. And this living expression is the light that bursts through gloom, the light that darkness could not diminish. There is no life apart from God's Spirit living inside of us. There is no living apart from God's Spirit living in us and through us. Because living in us is the first step, responding, receiving the Spirit of God. But Him living through us is the daily next step for each one of us. It's not just that church where we come together and, and uh, we have amazing ministry and, and people come forward and share words and the gifts of the Spirit is ministering and manifesting and then Monday through to Saturday we're like, man, I'm looking forward to Sunday where I can step out and be a blessing and, and have the Spirit of God minister through me. That is not what it's about, guys. If you're only ministering and only worshiping God on a Sunday, you're missing the plot. A good word is a challenging word. Amen. We get to have relationship with God with one another, but there's a third of the world that can't enjoy this yet. A third of the world. More or less 33% of the world has never heard about Jesus. More of the world has never received Christ. There's a lot of people, maybe not so much in South Africa, but there's still a lot of people in South Africa, in your world, who cannot enjoy living. What true, real living is about. Because they haven't received God's Spirit. And also, they're not entering and stepping into Christian maturity by coming together, by being a blessing to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And all of this requires coming together. All of this requires... Surrounding ourselves with getting into the Word. Surrounding ourselves with believers that can challenge us, encourage us. We see this, uh, John chapter 1. John writes, and he's actually referring to, and he's using reference from Genesis, where the world was out form. And it says, For nothing has existence apart from Him. As the earth at creation in Genesis was without form, until the light came. God spoke light and form took place, right? 
There was no form. There was no existence. But God spoke. Light came. And things started taking shape and form. And in the same way, us too, we find when we receive God's Spirit, we start, our lives start take, taking shape and form. We start experiencing existence and living by having His Spirit live inside of us. And that is what the world is desiring. That is what your world needs to receive. Acts chapter, let's go to Acts chapter 17. 28 says this, For in Him we live, we move, and we have our being, as certain also of your prophets or your own poets have said, for we also are His offspring. It's again the same truth being communicated. It's only in God, in Him, that we live, we move, and we have our being. Our lives can only enjoy satisfaction to the degree that we are reflecting His nature. Enjoying His Spirit, enjoying His Spirit among ourselves, and having His Spirit minister through us. Romans 8.17 says, And since we are His true children, we qualify to share all His treasures. Say treasures. Some of you are thinking money and gold and all of these amazing things. And that's fine. You're welcome. You're welcome to be here with us. And since we are His children, we qualify to share all His treasures. In heaven, the streets are paved with gold. They get trampled upon, walked upon, as the tar outside is being trampled upon, walked upon, ground, gravel. It's got no worth. It's got no value in heaven. Why? Because that is not what God's treasures are. God's treasures are eternal. Matthew 6 talks about this. Anything that can decay, anything that can lose value, fluctuate, etc. Isn't what God values. God values souls, people. That is what has an eternal value, an eternal worth. It doesn't change. For indeed, we are heirs of God Himself, and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that He is and all that He has. We will experience being co-glorified with Him, provided that we accept these sufferings as our own. No, wait, leave that out. Um, Man, I heard something crazy, and there's a lot of crazy happening in this world where I think it's about three or four guys sitting and they're on TV and uh, they quote unquote like ministers or whatever they call. They've got some some titles, some of them more apostle, prophet, saint. It's it's all about the titles. And um, they read a specific passage of scripture. And the one guy, as I was reading this, and this is a it's a quotation of in. in the gospels and the guy is reading it and then the the other guy stops him and says wait 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 i don't like that it doesn't matter if jesus said it i don't like it i'm thinking to myself my goodness like how arrogant and prideful can you be and yet they have a following why do they have a following because people aren't being discipled people aren't being taught the word people aren't being taught how to study the word That is one of the purposes of a teacher. It's not to teach. 
in a sense. It's not to share your amazing gift. It's to have the people that you are teaching be taught. There's a difference. You get a lot of teachers in the body of Christ. Facebook is full of them. YouTube is full of them. They, they, they're doing something. But if your teaching isn't equipping and establish some, someone else, your teaching is bad. Your teaching is horrible. Now, I'll put in a, a kind of a, a, what do you call it, a, a, a disclaimer. There is a response on the behalf of the student. Like all of you this morning, all of us get to respond to this teaching that I'm bringing, the word that I'm bringing this morning. So there is a disclaimer that a teaching can be perfect and it can be amazing and and it can still not accomplish anything because of the, the student, because of the recipient. But ultimately, we need to understand that teaching's purpose is to have people mature, be equipped, be established in their identity, in their relationship with God, so that they can mature and not stay babies. That was a side note for free. Someone was blessed by that. We qualify to share all his treasures. What does sharing mean? What is the treasures that, that, that Paul is writing about? What is the, the promise that God made to Abraham? That the nations of the earth will be blessed through him, through his seed. And then Galatians chapter 3 Paul goes to explain this and, and, and unlocks this for us and makes this mystery known to us, so to speak. And he says, the mystery, the promise, is the promised Holy Spirit. That is the treasure that the world is desiring. People are living without form. People are falling short of God's glory. Falling short is not... Being sinners in a sense and doing wrong acts. Falling short is not having God's Spirit live inside of us. Having no form is not having God's Spirit live inside of us. That is the treasure that the world is seeking. That is the treasure that people desire. And some people know it. Some people have come to know it and, and digging into this. And some people don't have a clue that there is this amazing treasure waiting for them to experience. A life of fulfillment. A life of satisfaction. A life of joy of peace, of love. I love the word inheritance and how does inheritance work? In order to claim an inheritance, you need to have proof that you are the heir, right? That requires intentionality. It requires action. It requires you being able to say like, listen here, this is the, the facts. This is who I am. And in the same way, yes, God has got a desire for you. God has got an inheritance for you. But it's not just going to come to be by you sitting on your blessed assurance and sitting at home and going into your prayer closet. There's a time and place to pray. Amen? Prayer is good. We pray every week on a Tuesday as a, as a family. If you want to be part of that, if you open and you've got free time from 2 o'clock 
Every Tuesday we have a, a time of prayer and we uh, pray for various things and we just uh, uh, trusting God to show us specific things to pray for the family. So we value prayer at this, at this ministry. But prayer, one of the amazing things of prayer, there's a, there's a specific... There's a specific picture that I like that the word pray comes, uh, uh, comes through the Bible and the, the expression of prayer, it's communion with God. It's fellowship with God. It's intimacy with God. Prayer is a time of intimacy with God, fellowship with God. And what does intimacy do? Between a husband and wife, we've got two sons now because of intimacy. So what is two sons? It's children. It's fruit. So intimacy, prayer without fruit isn't true intimacy. I know that blessed someone. I know some of you are upset with me and you, you're wanting to uh, throw a bunch of scriptures at me. But let's, let's, let's cut away all of the fluff and let's call it what it is. God's desire for you, God's invitation for you is deeper intimacy. And deeper intimacy is intended to bring about fruitfulness. And you as a believer cannot bring and bear fruit when you're locked up in a cupboard praying. You as a believer cannot bear fruitfulness by just staying at home and just mingling with your, your squeaky clean brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a time and place to be around our brothers and sisters in Christ. But let's look at the life of Jesus. How much time did he spend with the squeaky clean? I love Luke chapter 15 when you see the, 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 the three parables. The lost sheep, lost coin, and then the lost son. It's amazing. Like There's so much in those parables. But we need to understand that those parables came from a specific context. And the context, Luke chapter 15 opens up and it says that, and all of the sinners, the publicans, drew near unto Jesus to hear what he had to say. And then we have the religious, the scribes, the Pharisees, and they come and question, why is Jesus hanging out with these, these sinners, these, these dirty people? And there's another passage, and I loved what Marco shared, where, where he was kind of wrestling with God. He's like, man, God, I, I've got a ministry and I want to minister to people, but not in here. I want to go out there. I want to go and minister to the people who are on sinners. I want to minister to people who, 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 who aren't in jail, who haven't been thrown into to, to, to prison. Jesus said that I did not come to seek and save that which was clean. Just the same way as a, a whole person or a healthy person doesn't need a doctor, in the same way, those who, who are saved, who have relationship with God, don't need relationship or they don't need to be saved again in a sense so the analogy that jesus was was uh, drawing then what i want to carry across this morning is that there's a whole world who doesn't have relationship with god there's a whole world that that needs to hear about jesus who hasn't had the opportunity and we get to be the answer to that world we get to go out and be a blessing. And this is one of the keys to living versus just coasting. To living fully. 
And we're coming to a close now. And it's really ultimately, and this is the key for all of us, it's ultimately in dying that we, still, uh, that we truly start to live. Philippians 1.21 Firstly, spiritually speaking, and our rebirth, being born from above, it's talking about dying in that sense. We've, we've died with Christ, and we've been raised with Christ, so, so that's the first, first aspect of dying. But then there's a dying that requires a daily action, a daily decision. Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. What is Paul referring to is, he's referring to a life that was built upon eternity. For me to live here right now is beneficial for each one of you. Because I'm sharing the gift of God. I'm sharing the word of God. I'm equipping. I'm establishing you. For me to be as beneficial for Catherine. It's beneficial for my sons. But if I, if I die, it's also going to be amazing for me. Not for you guys. Maybe some of you will be happy. Hopefully not. I know my wife and kids aren't going to be happy. But I'm going to have, have a party in heaven. And so this is what Paul is talking about, living for eternity, having our lives be shaped by eternity, having an eternal perspective, an eternal purpose, an eternal focus. Paul was living because he lived reflecting God's nature. As Marcus said, even in prison, Paul, Silas, and Acts, we see they were reflecting God's nature. They were praising God. I, like, I love this passage of Scripture um, it's somewhere in Acts, I can't recall the, the, the chapter now, where they're praising God at midnight, they were praying, praising God. And the awesome thing is, I don't know where Paul, uh, um, Marco, why he was uh, upset with, with Michael's prayer, because nowhere we see Paul praying to God to be released from prison. Marco obviously missed that, that, that all uh, um, context to, to Paul's ministry and uh, all of that, because... Paul prayed for opportunity in prison to continue advancing God's kingdom. And we see this, Paul and Silas, as they're worshiping God and they're praising God, the, the, a miracle happens and the, the jail cells are open, the doors fling, fling open for all of the, 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 the prison um, inmates. And the, the jailer wakes up from his slumber and he's about to kill himself because of the situation. He sees all of the cells are open and he knows that his, his uh, punishment will be death in any case for him allowing the prisoners to escape. And then what happened? None of the prisoners left. Why is that? Because the purpose and the aim wasn't to get out of prison. Their purpose and their aim was to worship God because God is worthy to be praised. And they were ministering to one another in those horrible circumstances. As Marco ministered to the inmate that came in, so too we do not need to determine our lives and our witnessing based on our circumstances and what's going on around us. Where and when can we reflect God's nature? It's a trick question. Let me uh, follow up the trick question with another question. And we're landing the plane. Where and when 
do we breathe? The answer to that question is the answer to the previous question. Your nature is God's nature. You've been born again from above, a new spirit, a new being. We get to reflect that being. This is what we've been created for. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 to 25. Excuse me. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Let's just scratch that one out as well. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way. My way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? The King James puts this very plain. He says, what, what does it gain a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Because gaining the whole world is not what living is about. But gaining God's Spirit is what living is about. And being led forth by God's Spirit. Allowing Jesus to be in the driver's seat. A life filled with stuff doesn't bring satisfaction. It actually numbs the plans God has for us. I think all of us are maybe to a degree experiencing this or have experienced this where you get so busy and there's so much stuff in your life and so many to-dos and it's checklists and it's this and it's that and the next thing and the world is requiring this of you and your employer is requiring this of you and there's so many pressures in this world dictating and trying to determine and trying to push us into a mold. And even though that is true, that the world and the system and, and the enemy is trying to push us into a mold, it doesn't have authority to do that outside of our cooperation. Say with me, cooperation. Each one of you gets to cooperate with God's Spirit and His leading or not cooperate with God's Spirit and His leading. And if we do not cooperate with God's Spirit with His leading, if we do not allow Him to be in the driver's seat, by default, you'll go into a direction that will not bring about satisfaction or fruitfulness into your life. There's no neutral for the Christian. There's no neutral. We're either going forward or we're going backwards. And I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about fruit bearing. I'm talking about gaining ground for the kingdom of God. We weren't created to live subject to this world, but the world to us. The last passage of Scripture, 3 John chapter 1, verse 3. I was filled with joy and delight when the brothers arrived and informed me of your faithfulness to the truth. They told me how you lived continually in the truth of Christ. When is a faithful person a faithful person? Always. Not when it's convenient. Not when it suits them. Not when it's fun. 
We looked at two passages of Scripture now that talked about persecution, trials, tribulation, suffering. Christian living isn't an invitation to have Jesus sort out all of your problems. The gospel isn't a gospel of come to Jesus and, and you'll have a better life. That's a tainted gospel. The gospel is a specific message. An invitation to experience God's Spirit living in you. And that invitation comes with a call of responsibility. Say responsibility. It's also not a cuss word, guys. Responsibility requires maturity, right? I cannot ask Chris to look after Michael. That's a huge responsibility. He's not mature enough to do that yet. For each one of us, as God's children, we've got a responsibility. We've got a responsibility to share the love of God with those around us who are without. But we can only do that when we're maturing to that place and we, when we choose daily to die to self. And dying to self is not talking about you punishing yourself. It's not talking about anything like that. It's choosing Jesus' love for you and Jesus' love for the world rather than just choosing to coast. Just choosing the temporal. We all know what temporal is. We all know what fluctuates. Food goes off. Food goes in. Food goes out. Every, there's a lot of things that fluctuate and loses value daily, constantly. But there's only one thing that has, loses no value and is constant, and it's people. The people in your life, the people in my life. And I know we all know people who aren't experiencing living. And it's our responsibility to step up and to say, Father, use me. I'm available. Because that's all He requires. He just requires your availability.